Hey everybody, Coach here. Thanks for joining me today. Depending on where you're going, what you're doing, hey, I'm glad you took a couple of minutes to stop by and learn a little something. Hey, this week we are talking about the great no grass or no lawn debate in this day and age. The benefits of having and the benefits of not having that age-old lawn area out in your landscape. What's involved in the change? What are some of the alternatives? Hey, I'm glad you're here. Are you with me? Let's get started. Hey, I'm Matt, you can call me coach. Every Friday I bring with me landscape DIY education, concepts and theories, ideas and solutions, so you guys can go out and tackle a landscape project yourself, get professional results, save a whole lot of money in the process, and in this day and age, be a lot more self-reliant. Man, after a 20 plus year career in the green industry, I'm bringing with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I wanna share with you guys the new, modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. Hey, kicking this episode off, I would really love to hear your opinion via email if you're listening to the podcast, or if you go over to the YouTube channel dropping me a comment. Are you a grassy lawn person, or are you a lawnless person with other landscape options that you have explored and succeeded with? You know, in my lifetime, I have seen a huge paradigm shift, especially when I was a contractor, from your societal, stature-based, cultural-based, best lawn in the neighborhood, the largest lawn, the best weed-free lawn, etc., to now lawns becoming obsolete in many, many places of our country and in the world, based on one sole concern, and that is, in the Western U.S. anyway, water. They are the most demanding element of a residential or commercial landscape, usually weekly, sometimes more than once a week, especially if you decide to get uber fancy and put in like creeping bent grass golf greens, putting greens. Not many people do that, but there are some. And the time-consuming maintenance like mowing, feeding, weeding, patching, patching those lawns. Thank you, doggo. And of course, the ever ever precious commodity of water that has to go on them. But in some areas of the country and the world where water is not such an issue, where rain still actually falls regularly, lawns are still an alternative and a source of pride, ground covering, air cleaning miracle workers. They really are. You know, if you think about it, think of your younger years as a kid. Many of us played on large lawns, whether they were public or private. Little league games, football games, soccer, slip and slides, campouts, etc. All done thanks to that great area we called the field, the back lawn or the park. You know, when we were older, some of us took up golf. I know I did when I was in my 20s. Those expansive fairways and manicured greens and tees, they were really a beautiful part of the community. They really are. But the environmental downsides of all this is the huge consumption of these green Jabba the Huts and what they demand. The water, the food, time, and in some cases, the pollution that comes from environmental runoff are kind of uh, giving lawns a bad rap. They're good at covering the ground, stabilizing the soils and the slopes, cooling and cleaning the immediate air around them. They're very, very good at that. So why are lawns in many places getting a bad rap? Mostly because of location. Drought areas are soon unable to provide vital water resources for something that is not a productive crop type of plant material. And basically resorts down to just being landscape decoration and nothing more. 
So a huge drought spurred migration away from our old beloved manicured lawns is well underway and has been for the better part of 15 years or more. Municipalities, states like California where I came from actually are rewarding people financially from switching from water thirsty lawns over to a specified list of more drought tolerant perennials and small shrubbery. At Weed Patch Ranch, I originally had a vast lawn area designed in, but as the California drought intensified, I reduced the lawn by well over 60%. There was still lawn area, don't get me wrong, but I really bolstered the planting beds and some of the more uh, popular pollinators and other blooming perennials. I really steered the landscape towards that plus some of the, the dwarf fruit trees and other things that I had. So for grass alternatives, you can research where you live and see what might be available. You know, another concern, and I saw this in Northern California, is there was many communities, especially with HOAs, you know, where some people lived. Some local HOA statutes required lawn in a certain percentage and have it maintained and kept in good order especially in the front yards. No lawnless landscapes in the front yards. That has changed quite a bit in the past few years. I love lawnless landscapes. I really do. And the reason are the interest created with different well-placed alternatives like perennials, ground cover, shrubs, and small trees. Woven into this new idea is other elements that you can bring in as well, like boulders and dry creek beds, maybe small water features berms and mounding for something other than just the flat, flat green expanse of lawn that we are so accustomed to. You can even bring in, depending on what type of topography you have in your back or front yard, you can bring in small retaining walls of either natural stuff like boulders or manufactured stack block type of stuff. And you can terrace and create various uh, planting areas where you can have ground covers, more, much more drought tolerant, and then the, the ground covers that are kind of creepers and spillers that can go over the walls like I've covered in other videos and other podcasts. Let's face it, in some part of the western U.S. and probably other parts of the world too, water is becoming a really, really um, valuable commodity and in not unlimited supply anymore. And because of that, Water restrictions have gone into effect in many, many communities. So if you do have a lawn, you're almost relegated to a manual or automated irrigation. And it's basically the standard for most Western US landscapes, and I'm sure in some other parts of the more arid areas of the world. Well, when water restrictions clamp down hard, these lawn areas weaken from a lack of ample moisture. They become patchy, weed infested, and unsightly and in pretty quick order too. Time for a makeover, both in thinking and in practical application. Now I have been scolded about the use of chemicals to kill off lawns on many, many episodes of Yard Coach, especially on YouTube. Many folks prefer, uh, or I should say, many folks who have actually commented prefer the, the plastic solarization to kill off their existing lawn, or maybe cardboard smothering um, this is all good. You know, it, it's nice. You're, you're not using chemicals, and for that part, I do agree with. But from a professional standpoint, oftentimes landscape contracting jobs cannot wait for solarization 
We cannot wait to go out and get a bunch of Lowe's cardboard and put them down on people's uh, lawns and wet it down and weight it down. We don't have that kind of time. This is a business that we're running. Contractors need to treat the old weedy grasses chemically. Let them die, cut them out, and move on with the landscape project. That doesn't always make everybody happy. I get it. But homeowners, homeowners on the other hand, can take as long as they want if they're doing it themselves. But let me just forewarn you a little bit. From my own experience, both personal and professional, many grasses will not completely die out as a result of solarization or cardboard smothering. I know grasses such as uh, Bermuda grass will bounce back very, very quickly. Those stolons will pop through the ground really quick. You might get a good kill from the ground up, but from the ground down is another story. I have actually seen black solarization done to Bermuda grass and seen the Bermuda grass literally creep underneath that plastic and come out the other side. So just a word to the wise, it sounds really good, but in some practical application, you really have to do every single step and hope for the best. Another consideration is the probable weed seed that is present in the soil that has now been excavated. You know, you've, you've killed everything off, you, maybe you've sod cut the area out, or you've raked all the supposed dead stuff off. The excavated lawn has now been exposed and the dormant weed seed that has been suppressed for many years by the lawn that was there is now exposed to the sunlight, exposed to the, the air and probably water. You now expose that dormant weed seed with rototilling, rototilling new amendment in to get stuff ready for the new project and new fertilizer. And wham, you basically have new weeds probably everywhere again. Your approach to control can be two-pronged. Pull by hand, pre-treat with pre-emergent, or a third one is spray as needed. So let's talk about some of your, uh, your new baby lawn alternatives. Some of the ones that I have seen, some of the ones I have used, and some of the ones I'm basically copying from research. One that is out on the west and that is uh, really taking off very fast is a uh, ground cover called Ruchia. R-U-S-C-H-I-A. It's a patented ground cover and uh, kind of pricey when you can find it. But for areas uh, with zones, say like eight, nine, 10, 11, man, they, it is a fantastic lawn alternative. Great for small lawn replacement. I'm not gonna say you wanna plant 3,000 square feet of this because it's the cost is gonna be a little bit prohibitive, but when you have to space things out, usually about six inches apart, that gets kind of pricey for even a thousand square feet worth of lawn replacement. I really suggest that you go first cabin and do it with a drip irrigation system that is laid underneath the ground, probably about four to six inches underneath the ground. And you can do the standard drip microspray type of stuff, no problem with that, it'll work very well. You can even still use your standard lawn uh, pop-up or rotor um, watering system. But during the, during the planting phase, you have to keep it pretty wet. Once it's established, once it starts touching and getting filled in, you can turn this watering system down quite a bit. Prep area for Ruchia and some of the other selections are kind of like for a traditional lawn. I really strongly suggest that you pre-treat for weeds Make sure you space it correctly, and generally you will have a fill-in rate 
within six months or less. And then once it's established, maybe watering every seven to 10 days, just keep it moist initially. That first, I'd say the first three, three to four weeks, keep it moist initially. Another alternative been around for a long time, very, very useful, edible, and a nice ground cover uh, lawn alternative, and that's, you know, creeping thyme. Cannot take a huge amounts of traffic, but it can some a little bit. But it's not a place to go out and have doggo run around and the kids run around on. This is an ornamental ground cover lawn replacement. It is nice and fragrant, kind of stingy on water once it's established, and looks good. It is a, um, it is a bit of a bee attractor when it's in, in bloom, and for some, people like that. For others, not so much. Another alternative that you might want to try is white clover. You can get it in seed form and uh, used for lawn replacement. I've seen it a lot kind of east of the Mississippi, more than west of the Mississippi. It does spread fast. It is a type of plant that fixes nitrogen to the ground, uh, right back into the soil all on its own. So usually no feeding, and it is fairly drought tolerant. You know, keep it in bounds though, because it can be kind of invasive. So be aware of that. Another one that I have used out on the West Coast, and that is one called Daimondia. Very low growing, dense matted ground cover with kind of a gray green foliage, very small. It's almost like a, a real miniature gazania look if I was gonna put an analogy to it. Gray green foliage and a small yellow flower, especially in the, in the warmer months. Small scale lawn replacement, kind of like Ruchia. Uh, best in zones about eight plus, but basically nine to 11, it works best. Tolerates light foot traffic in my experience and very, very low growing, usually less than an inch. Another one that I have used, uh, it's a native to Australia and it almost looks mossy from a distance. And it's also kind of a rumply, moundy, undulating growing habit once it starts to grow together. And that's called scleranthus, S-C-L-E-R-A-N-T-H-U-S. Can grow from zone six all the way up to nine, maybe even 10. Looks best if paired with uh, kind of a rock garden motif because they really look slick in and around boulders and cobblestone and that kind of stuff. Also very good to line pondless waterfall stream beds or dry creek edges. Once established, eh, it kind of likes regular watering, but regular watering for scleranthus, in my experience, is about once or twice a week at the most, depending on the soil conditions, how much sun, how much shade, etc. It can go out in full sun, especially if you're closer to the coast, the inland valleys and some of the hotter areas, it would probably prefer to have a little bit of shade in the hotter part of the day. Hey, another one that I have seen before, I have not used this as a lawn replacement, but I have used it as a ground cover, especially in rock gardens, and that's creeping oregano. Very fragrant, versatile, goes from zone two to 10. It is edible, can be used as a lawn replacement, can even be mowed if it starts to mound up a little bit, but remember it tends to recover a little slower if you do mow it. If you're gonna mow it, I would suggest two inches or higher. Traffic is recommended to be kinda light, so listen up kiddos and doggos, not meant for the Sunday afternoon football game. It's just not. Another one, and I've mentioned this in a previous uh, episode, and that is the dwarf mondo grass. I use this version uh, for a really small scale replacement. Nothing, I wouldn't say anything over 500 square feet. Can almost take full sun, but it too will appreciate a little bit of heat relief in the hotter parts of the day. 
does really well on uh, small little stolons that kind of create clumps that eventually grow together. And it really looks good, but it is a slow grower and takes a while to establish. And another one that's on the horizon, it's been uh, growing in popularity, is Carapia, K-U-R-A-P-I-A. New to the lawn alternative market, it is a faster grower, probably the fastest grower that we've mentioned here. As a matter of fact, you kind of kind of space them out two to three feet apart each plug. Can be in full sun and loves the heat, zones eight through 11. Loves heat, but it really does slow down in the winter. If you're in a really cold snap in zone eight, it might even go dormant on you and look kind of stickish, but it pops back as soon as things warm up. It can be mowed, and if you have to mow it, you can mow it every couple of months, or you can just let it be and never mow it, depending on the application. Great for uh, hillside stabilization, uh, working into uh, terraced landscapes, that kind of stuff. Only takes about half the water as a standard traditional turf. Hey, I really appreciate you sticking with me this long. Taking a quick break here as a notification uh, to let you know that Yard Coach has gone to a YouTube membership at various levels. Great benefits to new members besides just the education you get here on the podcast and on the YouTube channel. And at some levels, you even got access to consultations and live chats with me. Hey, check it out if you get a chance and help support all the quality content we produce here at Yard Coach every single week. I will have a little YouTube video short out soon answering some questions and any other questions can be answered through email and YouTube comments. All right, let's move forward. So. Maybe you want to keep your lawn. A lot of people love their lawns. They really do. Or you have a new home and you haven't put anything in yet. And you're really concerned about the, the cost of you know, watering lawns and the whole environmental impact that uh, using that much water brings. Well, there is a way to still have your lawn and reduce that water use by upwards of 80% and still have a healthy, vibrant lawn. How do you do it? Water underground. That's right, drip irrigate your lawn underground. Check out some of the um, Netafim USA or NDS Agrifim companies for details. You know, imagine having the best lawn in the neighborhood in the height of a drought and cutting your water bill by 60 to 80%. Man, your neighbors and the local water police will be absolutely baffled on how you're doing it. Just more alternatives in education, you know? I just, I just give this stuff away, I really do. But yeah, drip irrigation underground. It's a, it's a little longer prep, but it's really great when it comes to saving water. I mean, my gosh, you're gonna use 60 to 80% less water depending on the variety of lawn you put in. And it lasts for decades. You can put in a, a Netafim drip irrigation system and you won't have to worry about it. You won't have to worry about it anymore. There's no root infiltration. They have quite a technology process that they've built into the emitters, the inline emitters, that don't allow roots to infiltrate any longer. So, to wrap up, where do you stand? Are you feeling the water pinch yet? How's the water bill? What are the neighbors doing out there? Or maybe, just maybe, you were in the lucky zone. A lucky part of the country, continent, or world where water isn't as much of a concern and where Mother Nature actually does a lot of watering for you. You're a very lucky person. It's a much different world out there on the west coast of the U.S. and some other drought-stricken parts of our globe. I really hope this is, has spawned some ideas 
and gives you some solutions and some alternatives as to the, the traditional Kentucky bluegrass, tall fescue, ryegrass, Bermuda grass lawn. Uh, mindsets are quite different depending on tradition, location of where you live, environmental stance, and obviously personal choice. But hey, you got a little bit of a uh, little bit of food for thought here. You know, as always, to your landscape success. If you need some help, I'm only an email away. Check us out over on the YouTube channel. And if you want to support us in other ways, check out the website, youryardcoach.com. Great book, great digital course on how to do your own landscaping yourself and save a whole lot of money. I appreciate your time. I'll see you over on the YouTube channel. Thanks again. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Yard Coach Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at youryardcoach.com where you will find more DIY landscape education, including the free 15-step DIY landscape checklist, Coach Matt's ebook called Landscaping Simplified, and the flagship digital course, Homescape 1.0. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Coach Matt directly at youryardcoach at gmail.com. We'll see you right here next week.